0: Crispin. In this podcast we will be listening to the Adventure Show that has been put out by Focus on the Family for the past 30 years. If you grew up evangelical like us, there's a good chance you've heard an episode or two. We'll be on the lookout for themes and messages in the show that coincide with and sometimes depart from God's in the world. Thanks for listening
1: with us. And today we are talking about two episodes in one little podcast sesh, right, Crispin? Yeah. Why? Why are we doing that?
0: Multiple reasons, but primarily because there are some plot lines that are super, super boring that if you actually listen to the series, you'd be like, oh, they truly didn't talk about these parts, and that's fine because it's really boring.
1: Like, we don't talk about certain parts. Right. Listeners would say that. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because we're not boring.
0: Yeah, right. So, yeah, there's there within these two episodes, there's some important things that happened. Yeah. Kind of followed the same themes, um, but we didn't really want to like talk about each one separately. There just wasn't quite enough to talk about.
1: Right. So we are covering episodes four and five in the ties that bind saga. That's what they call it. Mm-hmm. The saga.
0: Right. Like the Novacom saga, which I never listened to, but everyone talks about anyway.
1: So we're like almost a third of the way through. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Wow. Okay, it's your turn to recap.
0: Okay. I get a minute because there there were two episodes. I
1: don't want to hear a minute of this. (laughs) Just kidding. Sort of. So,
0: very quickly, um, Wooten is at Comic-Con, and somebody asks him about his new detective family. And they talk about—and he's like, aren't they going to be, like, irritable and edgy and miserable? Um, So there's a little bit there about, about Wooten's comic coming to be. Um, Eugene has this conversation with Buck. We actually meet Buck for the first time this time. We hear his voice? Yeah. Okay.
2: Before we go any further, I, I want to say how much I appreciate this. You don't have
0: to. (laughs) to. Yes, ma'am. I do. And Mr. Eugene, Hmm? I've said it to your wife,
1: but I've never said it to you that I'm sorry for everything I did.
0: And so, or maybe we did last time, but anyway, he talks to Buck about what Juvie is like. Um, Connie uh, finds a trunk, hunts down a trunk that her mom had. Uh, but what is most important about this episode is the, the Vigilanters paint attack with end. Um, and then there's a lot of follow-up to that about who did it and why did they do it. And then also Miss Adelaide assigns an assignment on gender where they have to write an essay about what what's the big deal about gender. Um, and then also there's this detective that is trying to figure out who attacked with end, and he interrogates Miss Adelaide.
1: Woo, that was short, that was good. Yeah. Wrote it down. So if we could sum up the these two episodes in like one sentence, it would be like Wit is violent his property is violently attacked with paint due to his beliefs in not wanting to be a part of the Let's Get Together festival. Right. Right. With
0: pink and black paint. Oh, we'll
1: talk about that. Don't worry. Okay, that was a good recap, I yeah. thought. So right. they're still setting up s- these threads of this big uh, clash of values between Wit and Miss Adelaide, how the other people in the town fit into this, how the kids fit into it, and then this other storyline of Buck, and then this other storyline of Wooten, and then the tiny, tiny one of the trunk and mm-hmm. Connie. Yeah, it's right. yeah.
0: good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so what were the good parts that you liked about this episode?
1: Oh... Miss Adelaide made this like throwaway comment about Moby Dick and Herman Melville and it just like
2: All right class, before we get into the details of Herman Melville and his oppressive religious views in Billy Budd, maybe me want to go research
1: Herman Melville.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. What did she
1: say?
0: Uh something about his uh oppressive moral something.
1: Framework or something right, like yeah. that. And then I was like Googling it a tiny bit and I was like, oh my gosh, the white whale is God. And I just like <laughs> at this moment, I've never read Moby Dick and I never will, but I just, I never thought it was like an oppressive religious framework and that God is a white whale that you can never know and in the end it crushes you. Whoa.
0: Oh, right. It makes me think about Ron Swanson in Parks and Rec
1: why? where it's like,
0: I hate metaphor. I just, that's why I love the book Moby Dick. <laughs> It's just about, <laughs> it's about a, a whale. <laughs> man on his sails on his sailboat trying to catch a whale well, or Ms. something like that.
1: Adelaide, the liberal public school teacher, taught me something, and that the whale was God, a metaphor for God. So whatever. And then another good thing. This isn't really about the episode, but somebody on Twitter mentioned like, when are Connie and Jason Whitaker ever going to just go ahead and get married? And then I was thinking about that with this episode because Connie and Jason talk. A little bit, and I thought it was really weird because Jason was like, "Have you talked to Dad?" Like he calls Mr. Whitaker Dad to Connie, and then later on, Connie says something like, "Yeah, Mom had this trunk," and I was like, "That's really weird, Mm -hmm. but also good." Is that good or not good? I was like, "Are they going to get together?" What do you think, Chris? I
0: don't think they will. Why should?
2: Why does
1: Connie never get anything? Why is she always single? Right. I'm here for Connie. Okay. All right. I'm not sure why, but I am. I just feel like you have to be. Yeah. I like Connie. Yeah. Her and Jason, f- weirdly f- Christian flirting, courting flirting.
0: Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah, I don't think she's ever dated anyone, but.
1: Well, she should.
0: Um. Yeah. My, what I liked about it was, um, was that they, it does bring up this thing about like when there are disagreements, violent disagreements in a community In what ways do you discuss um, those things and how do you, like, move through that? So, I mean, I think uh, the, um, I want to call it protest, but it's not protest. The vandalism, I think, is an interesting, like, example of, like, how do we, when when there are these very important issues that come up, how do we move through them?
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: That was a much more spiritual answer than mine. (laughs) It's a good job well you're reading I mean. the podcast today <laughs> already
0: right so yeah I think it'd be helpful to look at um just a few of these things there is this it's just a short bit but this person comes up to Wooten um and asks about his detective family and says something like uh, normal families don't like each other right they're like Irritable and miserable. But the newest comic book characters are supposed to be edgy, irritable, and miserable. Yeah,
1: it's so weird. Like, this is the weirdest thing about Odyssey. So they set up this whole thing about Wooten as this, like, incredibly famous, successful comic book artist. And then he is doing this comic about a family of superheroes that work together. And then, like, yeah, someone is, like, so they're going to fight together, right? And he's like, what? Fight? Why would a family fight? And it's just like, duh. Like... Families fight, and it's just like they're setting up the weirdest culture wars
2: mm-hmm. in this thing. Right. Like,
1: there's some comic book fans that violently want people who fight with each other and don't like each other if they're a part of a family. And Wooten's like, no! Which again, right. kind I'm of like, how is this even Christian? Like, aren't families supposed to fight sometimes, Crispin?
0: Yes, our family does.
1: And that's good, right? Right,
0: yeah, totally. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I was thinking about it, and it's like, it's it's this, I think in this meta way, calling back to like the 50s, like Leave it to Beaver, like yeah. perfect family, like back when media was like really good, and you know?
1: Have you ever watched Leave it to Beaver?
0: No, it's just an expression, right?
1: It's so boring.
0: I'm, I believe it. They play it. it
1: at my dentist's office, <laughs> which I go there a lot, because my teeth are horrible, and right. it is so boring. Anyways,
0: That is funny. Yeah, I've never seen it. Um, But yeah, yeah, I mean, I think just as media, thinking about the last, you know, 50, 60, 70 years, right, there are just more and more avenues for people to talk about the, like, diverse experiences and difficult experiences of being in family, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all.
1: Yeah, maybe we already talked about this, but yeah, it definitely reminds me of that whole, like... Oh, we're a family, and sometimes we fight on the way to church, and then we feel guilty at church about that, and then we try to do better next time. It's just like real families are full of conflict, full of it, I tell you, if you are trying to work towards true peace and true justice and true equity, right? Because there's always things that have to fluctuate, and so— I'm just like, I don't understand, especially if I was a little kid listening to this, like, oh, yeah, real families love each other and they never fight. Why would they fight? That's so weird. Something must be wrong with you if you fight, you know?
0: Right, but yeah. That's not great. No, not at all. And, yeah, I think that we have to have obviously, like, find ways to work through conflict. But this seems to be, a, like, espousing this idea of, like, families just don't have conflict. So
1: it's setting up secrecy.
0: Right. And shame. Mm-hmm. If you totally. don't fit into that. Right, yeah. Instead
1: of, like, healthy conflict.
0: Yeah, and I think a really bad idea of, like, spirituality, right? Like, a good Christian, which I think this comes up a lot where, like, um, in marriages, it's like, well, if you love Jesus enough, then you have a good marriage. I think there are some aspects to that. But I think this is the same sort of thing where it's like if you're spiritual enough and then when people do go through conflict, they feel like something's wrong with them or they're not working hard enough or they're not spiritual enough.
1: Yeah, and so how Christian artists... Take this idea of like what a 1950s nuclear family, happy Christian family should be. That seems like what Wooten's writing. And I was just listening to today. This is actually really sad because Rachel Held Evans passed away a few weeks ago. And I was listening to her audiobook of Inspired today, where she talks about her journey with the Bible. And because I wanted to listen to her voice and cried a bunch, but. She also makes me laugh. And she was talking about how she, when she grew up, she had the Precious Moments Bible. Do you remember this Bible, Crispin? Mm-hmm. I yeah. when she, when I heard her voice like talking about this, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I had the precious moments Bible, and she was talking about there's like a little shepherd boy on the cover, which I think was supposed to be David, and he was like cradling these two little lambs, and she was like, <laughs> "Little did that little shepherd boy know he was going to grow up and bring two hundred foreskins to his father-in-law <laughs> to pay for his bride," and you
2: know, <laughs> right.
1: and she was like talking about all these little pictures of these. Biblical characters as, like, these angelic little children, right? When in mm-hmm. reality, they're extremely complicated, like, somewhat horrifying <laughs> right? mm-hmm. figures. So that made me think of Wooten with this, like, what is it? Swiss family. It's not Swiss family Robinson. Right. But
0: uh, sooth, sleuth family? Sleuth family, family yeah.
1: Robinson. And so just thinking, like, he he wants to craft these perfect little things which are actually kind of monstrous when you take a step like precious moments is monstrous and i have been to the official precious moments chapel in the ozarks and y'all that was an experience that i could talk about at length which i won't right now but i could and it's horrifying
0: right maybe we'll just do some bonus content or something yeah donations start a
1: patreon just for that
0: right to hear danielle's take on my
1: favorite threat Is the threat of starting a Patreon. (laughs) Don't test me. I'll ask you for money. No, just kidding. We don't ask you for money. We like doing this.
0: On a serious note, 2 Samuel 13, where it talks about the rape of Tamar, is, like, really intense, but, like, a really good, like, picture of what happens in abusive families. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I think David's a great example of, like, Families are not perfect and like I yeah, I don't know why they're trying to uphold this idea of like a perfect family.
1: Okay. Well this podcast can take forever if we nitpick everything. But the Wooten thing is interesting. And it
0: does it does go into this next part with Buck, right? So Eugene is asking Buck about like what was it like in Juvie? Like were you wearing like white and black Uh, striped uniforms, which I'm, like, is, again, that, like, separation, right, of, like, no one in Odyssey is a convict or gay or...
1: Yeah, Buck is very exotic in this, right? Right. The bad kid who went to juvie, and he explains everything about juvie to Eugene.
0: Which, by the way, it turns out he's a middle schooler?
1: No, I I looked it up. Oh, okay. He's not a middle schooler. He sounds like he's 30, (laughs) but I looked it up. And he's 16, at least by, like, 2019. I think there's still, like, he's still, like, a character.
0: Oh, okay. But I
1: think he's in high school.
0: Right, yeah, that's how, just the discussion questions of what happened when he came back to Odyssey Middle School. And I was like, he was a middle
1: schooler? Okay, so Buck did something bad, and it was, like, in some other saga a few previous, whatever, sagas ago. And so they keep referencing it in these episodes, like the green ring conspiracy and Buck did something really bad because when he goes to like school, all the kids are like really mad at him and you know, whatever. So Crispin, what do you think the green ring conspiracy is? I
0: think it has to do with environmentalists that were frauds and raising money for something that wasn't actually helping the environment. Oh,
1: I thought you meant like he was an environmentalist who like blew up logging trucks or something. Oh, well, that
0: would have been great. But no, I think it's (laughs) something though to do with environmentalists. So we took
1: all the nice Christians' money Mm -hmm. for the environment?
0: Well, that doesn't make any sense. It it probably has to do something with them being villains and saying something about the environment. Yeah. Environmentalist crooks.
1: Okay, you want to know what really happened? (laughs) Yes. Nobody knows. What? I'm <laughs> just kidding. I couldn't figure it out on Google, and there's no way I'm listening to those episodes to find out. So
0: You had me. Nobody
1: knows. But something happened, and then he went to Juvie, which is very fascinating the way he described Juvie, right, Crispin? Mm-hmm. What stood out to you?
0: Um, Yeah, I think just – it just sounds really boring. They were in school four hours a day, and then – Wait. Why are you giving me that look?
1: <laughs> That's not what, I, what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> you asked what stood out to me.
1: I meant it better to, be the same thing as what stood out to me.
0: You mean the, the mixed up and messed yes, up Yes, we talking about
1: the other kids. Oh, wait. Do his accent again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> What's the phrase? Mixed up and messed up, we used to say.
1: So the kids are all mixed up and messed up because they come from homes where there's only a mom.
0: No, their families are mixed up and messed up.
1: Okay. But there are because that they come from single mother families.
0: Right. Well, it says, he, and says then like, he says something like maybe a mother and never a father, which is like,
1: sounds yeah. like okay.
0: so if there's no, I mean, I that guess happens. there are other family members, but it just. But like
1: step parents right. and kids who don't like their step parents, step parents who don't like kids, so like their families are mixed up. You
0: know, where there was a mother maybe, but no father or step parents who didn't like the kids very much. Or kids didn't like their step-parents. Mixed up and
2: messed up, we used to say.
1: And messed up. Um, but then he also said something like even when like family visitation day would come, first of all, there weren't a lot of families that visited. And then when there was, it was just like a lot of fighting and lots of blame and all this stuff. And it just made me feel really sad. It just really felt like blaming the kids in there Mm-mm. for their situation and obviously blaming the families and yeah,
0: right. Well, I mean, and I totally agree uh, that having parent, having a parent that isn't in a lot of distress, right, and having usually that means having two parents so that there's not financial stress and other sort of stressors, right. Those are really important things for development. But I did some research, and focus on the family is infamous for quoting. So they'll quote research articles, right? So they'll like. Take a research article that says, like, a two-parent home, right, one, one mother and one father is better than, than a one-parent home mm-hmm. in terms of, like, outcomes, which seems obvious, right? Uh, but they'll look at this research and they'll say, like, you know, gay marriage is wrong because this research shows that, you know, one man, like, a father and a mother mm-hmm. are helpful, And so then the researchers have, like, come out of the woodwork and sent, like, cease and desist letters saying, like, you are misinterpreting our work. We're just saying that, like, a two-parent home is better than a one-parent home, and you're using this, right? And then there have also been times—I was just going down a rabbit uh, hole—a couple of different researchers that were doing, looking at uh, gay teens and suicide. Mm -hmm. And they were, like, quoting—citing that and saying, like, this is in support of conversion therapy, and uh, so, like, basically, like, because teens are committing suicide, like, we, they need to go into conversion therapy. And, uh, like, cited that in a Times article. And the researchers also, like, came out and were like, what are you doing? Like, obviously, like, they're really concerned yeah. about these kids. Um, anyway. Wow. The whole mixed up and messed yeah. up thing.
1: No, it definitely seems, you know, there's, there's times when the agenda... Shines through more clearly in these episodes, and so I, that just sort of made me mad. Like, all these kids in juvie, like, are bad kids because they come from like not perfect families, right? From mixed up, and <gasps> mixed up and messed. Up. That's just kind of sad. Okay, so he talks about that, right? And then, uh, then we have, then we have the big drama, the right. big then sh- drama. Hits the fan. What hits the fan? This is a Christian podcast.
0: <laughs> I know that's why I said. Shh.
1: Our daughter would be so mad at you, right? If she knew you were even hinting at swearing. That's true. Um, okay, so wit. First of all, we we he gets woozy again, right? Mm-hmm. Like he knows, right? He's right. the spiritual radar, or just like all this conflict with Miss Adelaide, mm-hmm. and just even thinking about there being people who might be gay is just making him woozy i don't know so he finds he gets a phone call and he finds out that wit's end has been vandalized okay and what happened
2: Wits end has been vandalized
1: right and it's like a big deal Yes. I do want to say something. It turns out this is, happened on a Sunday. So is Wits End closed every Sunday, Crispin?
0: I want to say yes and no. What do you mean? Um, I th- actually, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that sometimes they say that it is and sometimes it's like, oh, we like are stopping in for some ice cream after a church and then a picnic. Oh, so I don't know. Oh,
1: plot hole.
0: Right, so it's like, "It'd be, be totally very Chick Fil A
1: of them to be closed on Sundays and feel right. awesome about that. Like they're doing the Lord's work, yeah." Which seems like they should. Like, didn't last episode they said businesses used to close on the Lord's Day, mm-hmm. so I think they have to say that it's closed right. on Sunday. So, anyways, this Sunday afternoon is closed. Gets vandalized
0: in the light of day.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: on the Lord's Day.
0: Uh huh.
1: I mean, those those vigilantes. So it turns out. <laughs>
0: You know what I want to say?
1: What? <laughs> Man, what? No, we'll get to that. So the detective is talking to Wit about it, and I think Whit's son Jason is there too, and maybe, uh, who knows, who else is there. But they're all talking about, like, who could have done this, and Wit sort of is like, well, I'm not sure, but maybe, you know, I didn't put up this poster. And then the detective's like, oh, it sounds like the work of the Vigilantors.
2: They get vocal and like to stir things up from time to time. They call themselves the Vigilantors. Goofy name.
1: And now you can say your thing you've been wanting to say. Uh, what do you want to call them?
0: I just feel like it's like code for like vaginal, vagina lanterns. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know. Oh my gosh. Um. Well, the first thing I thought of when I heard like the name of this group of activists who are angry at Mr. Whitaker for not putting up a poster to celebrate tolerance and inclusivity, which, side note, I think what we're talking about here is a gay pride parade, which will never actually be addressed. But their name is the Vigilanters. The first thing I thought of, I could hear Rush Limbaugh's voice in my ear saying, Feminazis. <laughs> <laughs> clear, clear as crystal. Right. In my ear, I heard feminazis, which is really sad. I grew mm. up hearing that phrase an awful lot as a child. So they I don't know why we both assume they're female.
0: Uh, Yeah. But that's bad. Well, pink and black. Right.
1: So the paint was pink and black that they splashed Mm. all over wits end.
0: Right. Which... Yeah. ...is significant, and Danielle found out why.
1: Yeah. Okay, so now we've come to the part of the show which is called DL Overthinks Things, like I love to do. And it just really stuck out to me that they said the paint colors were pink and black... And they mentioned it several times, so I just Googled it, and the first thing that came up was, like, this pink and black flag, which was the symbol of queer anarchists. And so this has actually been, like, historically—and it goes back quite a while, even to the 1800s—like, queer anarchists who were like, we are here to fight, like, homophobia in the public, in the public square. And so they use pink and black flags and um, the colors to represent— their mission. So I'm like, right. this is all so done on purpose. And remember,
0: Jules, Connie's half sister, said that there are a lot of vigilantors in California.
1: California! Well, Odyssey loves to SHIT on California, don't they?
0: Yes. They do. Right, yeah. A lot.
1: Yep. It was a heathen place. And so is Portland, Oregon.
0: Mm
1: hmm. <sighs> a lot of vigilantors.
0: <laughs> <up in laughs> there here. are a lot of vigilantors <laughs> in Portland.
1: So in some ways, it's like funny, right? Because it's the central conflict of this entire 14-part series is revolving around like paint being thrown at wit's end. That's pink and black and this group called the Vigilantors. But, you know. Like a lot of things with this series, it actually, when I think about it a little too hard, it makes me really upset. It's a totally fabricated situation where Mr. Whitaker gets to be the one who's being oppressed. You know, when historically in the United States, uh, people who are not dominant culture are the ones getting oppressed. And Mr. Whitaker represents everything about dominant culture in America. He's white, he's male, he's Christian, he's landowning, he's a business owner. Um, and people, I'm assuming at this gay pride festival, which again, we should mention like not once in this entire 14 episodes is the word gay mentioned, mm-hmm. <laughs> pride mentioned, you know, right. it's so annoying that they use all this coded language, if they are really trying to force these conversations with, mm-hmm. with people. And, So they have to create this entire thing which totally reverses history. I've always said the imagination station is the revisionist history station. And this is just another example of it. They don't have to get in it. They're just Mm -hmm. creating it. And that should be obvious, I guess, but it's just really a bummer Mm -hmm. to me.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that there's this – I mean, so Jason is like people get militant about their opinions – and peace. And I think that's like part of it is that wit is passionately standing up for his beliefs, but for, um, they're not able to like hold that space for another express or an, another point of view is that people are really passionate and have like good reason for the thing that they're pushing for.
1: Yeah. So you would, you would think maybe like Mr. Whitaker thinks he has, he's standing up for religious liberty, what does he think that people who are gay or Miss Adelaide, who's trying to be an ally maybe to queer people, like, it, it doesn't fall under religious liberty, right? In Mr. Whitaker's eyes. Mm-hmm. And maybe right. that's something we'll explore more. But I did want to say that we don't really have a wit-splaining segment for these two episodes because Mr. Whitaker is not in these a lot. And when he is, he's very, like, deferential. Right. So mm-hmm. both the cop in this episode and then the, the newspaper dude in the second one are like, come on, Whit. who wants to, who's out to get you? Tell us what you think. And he's very much like, well, I don't want to make any false accusations. I don't want to make any idle guesses. And, you know, if I didn't have like a history with Mr. Whitaker, you know, how we're going to beef, <laughs> um, I would be like, whoa, he's responding really cool. He doesn't want to make a stink about this, you know, but I know. Who he is in right. his core. Well, so I, they're just trying to make him sympathetic. Like, he's not the one doing anything. You know, he's so passive and so friendly and, right. you know.
0: Well, I think he's playing a dumb fox because he says things like, well, I who knew that not putting up a poster would be such a big deal? Right? Which is so patronizing. Yeah. And as we said before, down with the patrony.
1: Yep. <laughs> there we go. That's right. Put it on T-shirts now. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Uh, we-
2: I think
0: what's really, I think what's is really frustrating is just this thing like, now,
2: I don't want to sensationalize any of this.
0: I don't want to make accusations. And that it just, I like found myself smirking as I was listening to that. 'Cause it's like this is so very different than like focus on the family, right? So like if you go I to don't their- want to make
1: a <laughs> big about this. Oh, <laughs> right. let's just write an entire fourteen episode arc about it.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. So thinking about like, you know, the like the flowers and the cake and like businesses and you know, like yeah. they've put so much effort into that. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. And um and so that's very different than Mr. Redaker being like, Oh well it's not a big deal or you know, whatever yeah. so-
1: Episode four. Now, episode five, we have a few things we want to talk about. Um, There's things that are very boring in this episode. I would say the core of it, right? Can you hear our cat? (laughs) I would say the core of this episode is Miss Adelaide, right? And Mm -hmm. so getting to know Miss Adelaide a little bit more, she's in the public school. What grade do you think she teaches?
0: I have no idea. Some of those
1: kids sound like they're two. Some of them sound like they're... Fifty years old,
0: right? Well, according to the discussion guide, it's middle school, but I'm pretty sure that you wouldn't read Melville in middle school.
1: And brothers and sisters in the same class? I don't know. Are they twins?
0: It's all just convenience. Okay. For the story, right. that's true.
1: So she, you know, gives us a little
2: throwaway comment about Melville, and then it'll be the first in a series of essays. All of them will explore the question: How are we often intolerant and exclude people?
1: Basically, saying like. We're going to talk about intolerance, like who, how have we been intolerant and how do we exclude people? Which actually, I'm like, that's a fantastic prompt, right? Mm -hmm. What if you've been asked to write that when you were in middle school,
0: eighth grade? That would have been great.
1: Like you personally or your culture, Mm -hmm. how have you been intolerant and how have you excluded people? That kind of would have been like a brain melting moment for me because I had never been asked that. Right, and as a Christian, it's more like how have I been excluded? Mm-hmm. From, you know, like right, from yeah. the culture. Like I was raised in the culture wars, right? So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was like, that would be a fantastic question. But then she immediately goes into this weird thing, like men have ex- been intolerant, and excluded women, and to some extent,
2: women have done the same to men for a very long time. Men have been intolerant and exclusive about women. And in some cases, women have done the same thing to men.
1: And I was like, what? <laughs> First of all, right. I don't think Miss Adelaide would say that. No. It's almost like the writers couldn't help themselves. Right. And women have done it too, you know? Right, yeah. No,
0: that's what I thought. I was like, in that moment, I'm like, all of a sudden she's sounding like someone <laughs> She's that... like
1: arguing with herself because like, the writers just couldn't help themselves. Right, yeah. Yeah, I would say they're doing a really bad job. Of showing the other side of the culture war. Mm-hmm. And that is what they want to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is scary. Um, anyways, so then and then it turns into an actually an assignment about gender. <laughs> right. So I was like, that makes no sense. Right. The first prompt was great. And like, why do men and women not even matter? Like, or what you right, know? Yeah. And it's kind of odd. Like, what does gender have to do with what else has been going on? Unless gender is somehow connected to the Let's Get Together festival, which is never explicitly stated.
0: Right. Well, I think at one point she talks about kids getting extra credit for going.
1: Oh, so, to the festival? Oh
0: uh, Yeah. So she is, like, promoting it, I think. Okay.
1: Okay. Then something really interesting happens, right? With Detective Pullhouse coming yes. into the picture. And I, was, I, I feel like we could do an entire podcast <laughs> on this segment alone, but we won't. So what happens, Chrisman?
0: Uh, so basically, um, he, he catches wind that maybe Ms. Adelaide is connected to the vigilant And so, uh, he goes and his, you know, and in, interrogating her and, um, basically she's like, well, you know, with Mr. Whitaker, things like in- inclusivity and tolerance aren't part of his rigid worldview. Um, and rigid
1: right. worldview.
0: <laughs> I think she says rigid like a bunch, like of a times. lot of times. Right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and you something about like people getting passionate and things get out of hand.
2: Some people get passionate about things like social justice. Things can get out of hand. Um, no, then, she said when people care about
1: like social justice, things right. get passionate uh-huh. and can get out of hand. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then he says, "Tell your friends that they'll find out how intolerant I can be if vandalism becomes part of their strategy around here." And she's like, "Are you
0: threatening me?" And then he says, "I don't. I'm a police officer. I don't have to threaten you." And then he says, "I don't. I don't take sides. I just. I." Uh, it's about what's legal and what's not or something like that.
1: And what's not legal is like destroying people's property or something, mm-hmm. right? Something like that. So, right, yeah. So we have like a police officer threatening a woman.
2: I'm a police officer. I don't have to threaten.
1: Mm-hmm. We have <laughs> saying like uh, destruction of property is, you know, horrible. And it's all about what's legal, which is fascinating because with – like with everybody, right? You you like the laws when they work for you, mm-hmm. and you hate them when they don't, and they need to be overthrown. I mean, that's in like what the Declaration of Independence, which I know because last night <laughs> we were watching. Was that movie
0: National Treasure? National Treasure. Which, <laughs> with- by the way, did you guys know that it's not called National Treasure? Er. <laughs> I didn't know that until the like the everybody cre- knew that. <laughs> the credits rolled and it was like, "Wait, this you movie You thought it was about
1: the Secretary of the Treasury <laughs> yes. or
0: something. I thought it was National Treasurer." No,
1: Nick Cage told me that even in the Declaration of Independence, it's like when there's bad laws, like we have the right and the moral duty to like overthrow them. So, I mean, the
0: most beautiful part of the Constitution. People don't think like that anymore.
1: Remember how we fell asleep 25 minutes into mm-hmm. it, but we will watch it tonight.
0: That's how we roll. So,
1: anyways, it's creepy. This detective guy,
0: right? What do you think? What are the what are the writers trying to get at here?
1: Like, well, how are, how
0: are kids supposed to feel towards this pole house character?
1: I don't know, but I f- I found him horrifying. Right? For one, he's totally taking sides with Mister Whitaker. He does say like, it, it, I don't know. He he obviously has an agenda. He seems kind of scary. If I was a kid, I would not like him. Mm-hmm. What do you think?
0: Yeah, right. I think he is supposed to be intimidating. I was like, is he even but... a
1: Christian? That's a real thought I had. So I'm like mm. deep in Odyssey World. Uh-huh. He's not acting like a Christian.
0: Right, yeah. So
1: I that's what I wondered. Huh. Is he?
0: I don't, I have no You're idea. You're
1: supposed to know everything. It's very disappointing.
0: The only detective I know about is Detective Harlow Doyle. Oh, gosh, she's not talking about
1: him. But maybe kids would think he's fine, and we are setting up this idea of police officers are great, should be trusted. They are your allies in the culture war against social justice warriors. You know, which, by the way, have you been called one on Twitter yet? No. Oh, honey.
0: Which is because I mostly tweet about psychology stuff. So. Oh,
1: you're getting there.
0: <laughs> All right. Today I talked. I tweeted about John Bowlby in 1953, talking about characteristics of unhealthy parent-child relationships.
1: Oh, well, so, that's not very SJW. No. I've been called that a time or two, I must say.
0: Well, which I think brings up this thing is I think we really need to think about what is the history of evangelicals and protest and uh, social justice, right?
1: Oh, we're getting to that now?
0: Yeah, right. Well, I think because it's so important is because no matter where Pole House stands, There's it's just like really clearly that they're the bad one like the bad ones because they're pushing against the like current order right against the government. It's about what's legal, what's not, right? Which I mean, thinking about, uh, I mean, we could we could go on and on, but thinking about you know, especially between like 2014 and 2017 when there were a lot of protests around different black men being shot by police officers. Like, that was a huge conversation. I mean, it's been a conversation for decades and decades, but that's what you hear. is like, well, it's about what's legal.
1: Okay, so this series came out in 2014. Crispin, do you know when uh, the Supreme Court struck down, like, all state bans against same-sex marriage? No. 2015. Oh. So when this episode was airing, it was still illegal to... Be in a same-sex marriage,
0: right? In places in the U.S. Mm-hmm.
1: and that just kind of like has that, that. How does that make you feel?
0: I mean, yeah, I think it's it's. Cr- I mean, I know that it's not been very long, but it just is crazy to think about that.
1: Yeah. So the police officers like what's legal? You right. know, like let's keep it. Illegal, you know, is what I right. hear. Uh
0: huh.
1: That's what I hear. Yeah, when you talk about civil rights protests, right? And we'll even get to that when we come to Chris's thing in a, in <laughs> a little bit. But yeah, so that's just. I just wanted to put that little historical context in here because I think Focus on the Family was in the fight for obviously not legalizing same sex marriages. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Woo, that's big
0: I'm excited to hit some discussion questions
1: Oh, I forgot right. I'm scared, I didn't even look at these All right, I'm going good. into this blind
0: Perfect um, Jason told Wit that
2: Look, people are getting militant about their opinions And they're more than happy to trounce those who get in their way
0: Can you share something you've seen like this in the world? What opinions are people getting militant about?
1: Oh my gosh, I'm not answering this question
0: well, last Wednesday, we went out and stood on the corner with um, a bunch of teachers. Yeah.
1: Is that being militant? I
0: guess I think so. Probably.
1: Demanding funding right. for public education. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, what was fascinating, right, is like there's people I know who that same week were going to the state capitol and demanding. That vaccines not be mandatory, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which really kind of upset me, but they were doing it out of a conviction that parental rights are incredibly important and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, people do a lot of things. I think what those words seem very coded to me. So right when I hear militant, um, I, think, I do think about my childhood, like militant mm-hmm. liberals, militant feminists. Is usually militant feminist is what really is the phrase that came to mind. Um, Pantsuit nation, <laughs> I don't know.
0: Right. Like, well, I would also think militant in terms of like Black Panthers.
1: So, so would focus on the family ever consider themselves militant?
0: I don't. They don't have to be. What do you mean? Like because they hold, they're already
1: in power, right? So they're yeah. the ones defending the power, right? But you, yeah. You can still be militant in defending the power.
0: That's that's true, but if the I, I feel like – I mean, in the, like in this situation, right? Yeah. Poll houses is on Mr. Whitaker's side.
1: I think what's fascinating is I think that no matter what side you're coming from, there's obviously a tendency towards being militant about things you're passionate about, things you think you are right about and holding on to whatever power you have and wanting to gain more. You just – you have to have self-awareness about that. Right. Like, are there people on the left that bother me? Absolutely. However, I more come from people, right, on the right and people who traditionally have held power. And so I'm going to invest my energies in, you know, doing things like this podcast where we try and self-reflect on ways maybe we've gotten it wrong as we are trying to follow Jesus who, you know, told us to not look for power and riches and prominence, but to actually go the way of the upside down kingdom. So, yeah, yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. I was thinking, uh, we as a community in our community have been reading through, uh, oriented to faith by Tim Otto, uh, which, um, you should totally go. It's a short book, go read it. Um, and he's talking a lot about like, how do we hold our convictions with humility? Yeah. Right. And I think that it, it's funny because Mr. Whitaker has the tone of humility, Yeah. but he doesn't have the posture of humility.
1: And what's weird is then you have this police officer, like, with the opposite of it, and it's very unclear. Like, God, it seems like God's using him in Mm -hmm. this scenario. So it's quite the mixed message. That's why I don't buy Mr. Whitaker's false humility, because we're actually relying on this police officer to go intimidate this woman, right? Mm -hmm. Who, I don't even know she actually is involved with the vigilantes, like, at all. I don't think they ever clear that up. But— Uh, yeah, so what does Chris say? Which one? Do we want to do episode four or five? Uh, Or both?
0: Let's do, we can do both. The
1: reason why these are so important and so horrifying is because Chris, like, sets the tone at the end of the episode and, like, gives kids the thing they should have learned. Right, right? yeah,
0: she interprets She
1: interprets the entire episode. So let's listen to the one from episode four.
2: I noticed that he encountered a lot of kids that didn't seem to understand what a family should be. That's one of many things that can go wrong when we sidestep God's design for us. A design that he wants based on love. When we stop behaving the way God wants us to, painful things can happen. Okay, so what Chris is saying, I'm, I'm just jacked up right
1: now on the anti adrenaline. <laughs> what she's saying is if you don't follow God's design, you will end up in juvie. Right? Mm-hmm. And then she's like, and I can't wait to see what's happening with Buck. And I'm right. like, you just, like, scared the crap out of, like, right. every single person. Like, if we don't follow this set of prescribed rules, something terrible will happen. Right. Which is a totally transactional way of viewing God, for one. and has nothing to do with the actual episode. Right. Or the Bible.
0: It is interesting. I actually like that. I like that interpretation interpretation of theology better than, like, God punishes you for not doing the right thing. She's but that's more, what she's saying. She's saying, like, this is, like, the way that things are designed, and so if you go against that design, then bad things happen. Which I think is not always true, but that I think that it's, I mean, I think that does work in a lot of Instances, but you also have to clear up, like, what exactly does it mean, like, what God designed? Yeah,
1: exactly. Look in the Bible. All the families are huge messes. Mm-hmm. I cannot think of one amazing family in the Bible.
0: Right. Also, Can what's you? the thing? Not off the top of my head. Yeah. Um. I mean, Acts 2 comes to mind.
1: That's well, a community.
0: Right, exactly. That's my point.
1: Oh, is your point. You're so smart. <laughs> um, and cute.
0: But, yeah, the thing about, like, they don't understand what a family should be. I'm like Those what? kids. Right. They don't
1: understand. Oh, my gosh. Right. It makes me feel sad. It makes me feel like there's going to be either, A, kids who are in, like, a pretty stable home. Like, I grew up with a great family. Like, it was awesome. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff all worked for me, and I, I'm so grateful for how I, I was raised. So I would listen to this as a kid and be like, Yeah. You just do the rules the way you're supposed to, and everything's great, right? And the converse of that, though, is that if you were a kid growing up in, like, a really hard situation, you would listen to this and be like, oh, like, oh, either I made a mistake or my parents made a mistake. You know, Mm -hmm. somebody—and that's why this is happening. And so that's what bothers me. A lot of times this dominant culture theology, it just serves to reinforce whatever's happened to you that's been good, and then it, like, puts more burden on— those who have already been burdened <laughs> right
0: yeah and the whole like theory here is that people are making the wrong decisions etc yeah. right and it's not taking into account systemically right. a lot of factors I'm right never. right so I mean I, I like see that would <laughs> unravel
1: the whole thing Crispin. right
0: I mean, I see that bumper sticker that says, like, children need both parents, and I want to make a bumper sticker that says that, and then under it says, like, end mass incarceration. That'd be great. Right? Because that's the thing, is that... Which,
1: Christians supposedly are starting to get on that. My dad saw that one, the 13th documentary, Mm -hmm. and liked it.
0: Yeah. Right? Because Chuck Swindoll said it first. That's true. But, yeah, I think that's the thing, is, like, yeah, families are, like, there are a lot of single-parent families and then the question is like why? Yeah.
2: Right.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's not Well, just they it's... have
1: some answers for that, which are also horrifying and I don't want to repeat them. But right. it never is systemic, mm-hmm. we should say. Mm-hmm. Never. Okay, so what's the <laughs> one for episode five? Let's see if I can. How does pull this how does Chipper Chris sum it up for us? We
2: see how often God told the nation of Israel to put up stones and markers to help them remember how he'd saved them time and again. He told them to create reminders because he knew they'd forget. Just like Connie's trunk, our things can serve to remind us of our histories and the lives we share together in our families. Otherwise, it's easy to forget that God designed us for one another. In fact, the family itself is like a living marker to remind the world of God's love. The Apostle Paul tells us that husbands and wives and children all point back to the reality of God.
0: At first, I was like, "Where are you going with this?" This just sounds super boring. And then the last part about families and I was
1: gonna say, "Do you do you feel like a pretzel, Crispin?" Because I feel like I'm all twisted up in knots, just like that logic Chris right. was using. You should go first.
0: No, tell me your thoughts.
1: No! Oh, you're afraid. You love Chris, don't you?
0: No, but I <laughs> I haven't thought that much about it.
1: Yeah. Well, I have. First of all, I will say, I I just want to go like, shh, shh and just shh, her right? After she says, we were made for each other, to, like, to remind us we were made for each other. I'm like, yes, we were made for each other. We were made to love God and love our neighbor. We were made to be investing in this community around us and to help create shalom as best as we can before Jesus returns. Like, yes, I'm with you there, Chris. And then it goes directly into like, And the institution of marriage is a monument to show the entire world about God's love, just like the Apostle Paul talks about in his letters about, like, what does he say? Women and men and children and parents. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't even remember what she says. But I think the logical thing for anyone who's, like, read the, like, household codes that Paul does in several letters is, yeah, right after Paul talks about husbands, wives, and children, he talks about masters and slaves, Mm -hmm. So, my mind immediately goes to, like, this argument is what was used to justify slavery. Mm -hmm. I mean, what else? Mm -hmm. It's not a good argument. Right. Mm -hmm. That the institution of marriage was created to show God's love to the entire world. It doesn't hold water. I think there's way, like, there's a lot of other things we could be talking about Mm -hmm. when it comes to marriage and families. Um, This is not it. If you're using the same arguments used to justify slavery, like, you're doing it wrong. Or you're doing it right. And you're doing it the same way you've been doing it for forever.
2: (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that, like, clearly the the New Testament shows us communities that are not based around the family. That are based around looking beyond, like, who is your kin? Who is your tribe? And I think that is a witness to God's love.
1: And there's so many people who... Like, Jesus himself doesn't fit any of those definitions, and he embodied God's love, right? right?
0: <clears throat> he really failed to to institute that monument.
1: <sighs> I think it's important to note this is episode five, and Jesus hasn't been mentioned once. Good point. But God's design has been referenced a million times without it ever being made explicitly clear, like, from a Bible or from, like, a systematic theology point right just a weird metaphor about the pen and the nibs and the pounding them into places they're not supposed to go that's what we get right it's not enough for me crispin
0: you guys gotta stick around because there are more metaphors to come i don't know if we can even debrief the next one because i'm like i do not this this like this whole scene is a mess anyway
1: it's a mess yeah
0: Okay, so overall, big arc, uh-huh. this is where we're at right now, there are some huge bombshells that will be dro- be dropping throughout the rest of this season. Yes. So you have not heard it all yet nope. by any means. But yeah, there are so many twists and turns and horrifying things that mm-hmm. happen.
1: As you know, as usual, you guys can reach out to us on Twitter at Prophetic Imagine. You can reach out to us at our email, which is prophetic imagination Station at gmail.com. We've been getting some really great emails from people. We love it. And I also want to say, like, if you're feeling frustrated listening to us being like, you know, where are you going to come down on all these issues? Like, I got to say, you're probably going to remain frustrated. Like, this isn't a podcast about us and our views. (laughs) Right. This is us saying this this is a series put out by Focus on the Family with a very strategic purpose. And it deserves to be scrutinized Mm -hmm. with the same level of strategy. No, we have no agenda.
0: Well, I'm sure we have an agenda.
1: Are we militant?
0: Yes. I think that this whole series is actually... What what was most important as we were thinking about it was just how it is an example of like how do Christians engage politically. So No.
1: I think it's something else that I'll talk about that next episode.
0: All right. <laughs> we got something to look forward to.
1: Also, you're supposed to disagree with me more. That's what a that's what a reader said. Right, a reader, yeah. a listener said.
0: <laughs> I told you earlier that I liked Chris's theology of God's design okay. and bad things happening. That's the one You need
1: to do it a little bit more strongly. All right. We got to go watch, see what happens in National Treasury. National.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will talk to you guys next week. This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station. Check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes and stay tuned for weekly discussions.